Hey guys, this is the C3 Church Malmo podcast. I am believing God will speak to you today and that a greater level of faith will be unlocked in your life. For more information about C3 Church, go to c3malmo.se. God bless. Good morning, everybody. I apologize. I may, I'm really loud. I may get a bit emotional today. I miss you. I have myself talk before the service and say, no, not today. Don't mess up today. Pull it together. Holy Spirit, limit yourself on me. I don't want to... You know, we're designed to come together. And when we don't, it's not good. It's not good for any of us. We are created to be a body, connected. And when we're not connected, things fall apart. I don't know how you've experienced these last year and a half, but I can honestly say I've gone to a place I've never been before. And that's not necessarily a good place. And it's all because there hasn't been an oil in my life called you coming together as a body. I do not believe in private Christianity. Some public Christians who are confronted by the media go, oh, you're a Christian. They go, oh, no, no, it's very private. I don't, you know, go to church. It's just a private thing I do in my home. Our, our faith is public. Our salvation is personal and private. Our walk with Jesus is a combination of both. I need the Jesus in you. I need the Holy Spirit in you. And you need it in me. And when I don't get that, I'm incomplete. And so I've missed you. And I, I look forward to these coming few weeks, these three weeks in June. Uh, uh, we've worked so much with the, the tech and sound guys and all these guys and troubleshooting. And I've said, guys, these three weeks are just us figuring things out. So when we get back in August after the summer, summer church cafe season in July, we're going to be hitting the road running. But I've got to say, I, I miss you. And I hope you can say that as well. And so today I thought... What better way than having our first service back than to come back to our centre, to come back to our plumb line, to come back to our chief cornerstone as a community of faith, as his adopted sons and daughters, as, as his children. And so today I want to encourage you, make it personal. As I speak, and, and I, I just want to share for a few minutes before we take communion, I want to stir something in us that challenges me to come back to my center and recalibrate, resurrect something that was lost over these last months and years. The cross is calling us back to kneel again before our Savior. 
And so over the coming minutes, I want to stir something in us and I want to put that thought in you. What needs to be adjusted? Where do I need to come and be before the Lord? And what about it? How do I find my center again? And when I think of the cross and, and I think of the backstory of the cross and what came before it, because if you don't get the backstory of something, it's so easy to misinterpret. In working with Justin and Matthew, I'll, I'll catch something on WhatsApp or I'll hear something and, and I'll develop a whole scenario around that limited piece of information. And I'll, I'll, I'll call Justin or something, somebody and go, hey, what's going on about this? And I've learnt before I jump to a conclusion, I need to get the backstory. And so I say to Justin, help me if I've got it wrong Tell me the backstory so I can get the right perspective and not freak out. You know what I'm talking about today. We get a piece of information and we blow it all out. And when, when we get the backstory, we get a different perspective and it's okay. I think a lot of people in our world haven't got the backstory to the cross, they've got an incomplete picture as to why the cross. We want to just touch on that today. Isaiah, 740 years before Jesus ever breathed a breath, ever walked on this planet, was ever born. Could you imagine somebody writing specifically about the purpose of your life and the fruit of your life 740 years before you were born? And your parents on your 12th birthday went, you might want to read this. This will help you figure out what you should do with your life. Could you imagine that? How weird would that be? But Isaiah got a download from God. 740 years before Jesus turned up in flesh. And so I want us to listen in today. And I'm going to read out of Isaiah 53, 1 to 12. I'm going to just skip through. So it might be a bit of a challenge to follow it on the screen. And again, this time I'm reading from the Message Bible because I want to stir us with a different language around a familiar passage. My core translation is always the New Living Translation, but I like to step into the Message because it uses a different kind of language and it helps me get a freshness to what's being written here. So let's look at that, Isaiah 53. Verse 1, who believes what we've heard and seen? Who would have thought God's saving power would look like this? He was looking down on, looked down on, he was passed over, a man who suffered, who knew pain firsthand. But the fact is, it was our pains he carried, our disfigurements, all the things wrong with me. But it was not our sins that did it, but it was our sins that did it to him, that ripped and tore and crushed him. Our sins, my sins. He took the punishment and that made us whole. Through his bruises, we get healed and God has piled all our sins, everything we've done wrong on him, on him. Like a lamb taken to the slaughter, like a sheep being shorn. He took it silently. 
He died without a thought of his own welfare, beaten, bloodied for the sins of my people. Still, it's what God had in mind all along, to crush him with pain. The plan was always there. The plan was that he give himself as an offering for my sin so that he'd see life come from it. Life, life and more life. God's plan will deeply prosper through him, through what he experienced. My righteous one, my servant, will make many righteous ones as he himself carries the burden for their sins. 740 years before Christ walked on this planet, Isaiah made it crystal clear what the backstory was going to be. And he talks about Jesus carrying our pain. He talks about our disfigurement. Have you ever received a gift that was just too much? In our society today, if you give a gift, almost the person that's receiving it gets a little upset because they now feel obliged to give a gift back in equal value. Which is the point that completely cancels the gift given in the first place. Because to me, to give a gift is an expression of, of me. I, there's, there's me in this gift. I've thought about it. I've, I've processed it. I've discussed it with my spouse, with my wife, and, and, and digested it and prayed about it. And I want to give you this gift because I think you're amazing and I so appreciate you in my life. And so there's so much of me in that gift I give you. So much of the expression of my life and my heart for you and our friendship. And when you feel obliged to give something back of equal value, you're cancelling me. There's something in us that when we're giving something that's way beyond, that's too much, that we feel like, no, that's wrong, you shouldn't have done that. There's a pride in my broken soul that rises up and say, no, no, no. Don't give me something of such precious value. When I look at, when I look at the Father and I look at the gift he gave us, I go, Lord, Father, it's too much. Oh, God, not your son. Don't give me your son on a cross. Let me do something where I can earn your favor, where I can earn your, your grace, where I can earn your salvation. Do something, create a plan, a strategy where I can do something to contribute to my salvation. Then I will feel better about this process. I will feel better about being a part of making me right. It's too much, God, that you would give me your son on a cross. The one and only, dearly beloved, that you've thought about, that you've planned it. When you wrap that gift up, you were thinking of me. And you found me in the right moment and gave him to me. 
It's too much. I can't cope with it. I think that's the battle of every Christian. Striving for his approval. Bouncing out of the freedom of grace and salvation. And going to that place of, if I just do this and if I just do that, and if I just, if I, then he'll be pleased with me. You can't do anything to change how pleased he is with you. He's so pleased with you that he chose the most valuable thing he could give. And he gave it because he saw you. This backstory of the cross was motivated by love. The father was driven. It was almost like he had no choice. What can I do to save? To not just save, but to be restored. Our faith isn't so much about eternity. That's secondary to our primary relationship with the father. That the curtain was ripped in half. And we now have full access Isaiah calls it, we have life, life, and more life. The cross demands so much. The cross demands extreme measures. I can go to God, I can go to Jesus, but why the cross? The cross says things. The cross speaks. It speaks about me. It says things about me that I don't want anyone else to know about. The cross knows me. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I'm a reflection of the Father. It's like I am a mirror reflection of Him. When Jesus hung on the cross, He ceased being a reflection of the Father and He became a reflection of the brokenness of humanity. He became sin. He became pain. He became brokenness. He became discord and disconnection. He became the reflection of of our brokenness. And the father turned his face from him for the first time in the history of ever. The cross says everything about me. It speaks of my disfigurement. But here we see in verse 10, Still, it's what God had in mind all along to crush him with our pain. The plan, his plan, was that he give himself as an offering for sin so that he would see life come from it. Life, life and more life. And God's plan would deeply prosper through him, through what he experienced. My righteousness, my, my servant will make righteous ones as he himself carries the burden for their sins. The backstory is God's heart, the Father's heart. The motivation is his love. 
You see, it was his love that created the stars in the sky. It was his love that created the oceans of the sea and the fish and the birds. It was his love that created the endless universe of galaxies and solar systems. It was his love that took his time to get to the most important of all creations, and that was the creation of you and me. You see, the thing that drives the Father all the time is his love. And I think some of us have forgotten that today. And I want to encourage us today to come back to our first love. That as we take communion, as we take a time in his presence in worship, that you have a personal and intimate encounter with him and recalibrate your relationship. It was his love that created you and me. It was his love that created the universe. It was his love. And you see, the only solution that there can be for the broken sin that has infected humanity humanity is exactly the same thing. The only solution is always love. There was never a plan B. It was a default for the Father. He didn't have to wrestle over it. He is love. For God so loved. His most outstanding characteristic. He didn't have to get a committee together and go, what are we going to do about the broken sin of humanity? What are we going to do? Who's got an idea? Suggestions, please. He was himself through and through. He didn't have to make a positives and a negatives list. It's who he was. And it came out of him in the most natural way. A love that cost everything for him. A gift that came so freely but cost so much. So, as we're about to take communion, I want us to reflect. I'm just going to ask the band to come up. I want us to reflect. I want us to take time as a community of faith, as his body, and just go, Father, whatever the words are that you need to say, wherever you are positioned, whatever your heart needs to say let me just pray this prayer let's all stand up let's just open our hearts have a posture of receptivity with our hands Heavenly Father I thank you that you love me so much You made a way for me to know you, your deep love through the sacrifice of your son, Jesus. Thank you that you found a way to take me from a fallen state as a sinner in this world back into your family as a child of God and that you now see me as a righteous, spotless citizen of the kingdom of heaven through your son. I thank you that you have forgotten 
all my wrongs as far as the east is from the west. I thank you because you restored me back to a place where you will never leave me, forsake me, separate me from you because of your love forever. I thank you, Father, for the blood, the precious blood of your son, Jesus, who washed me and made me clean in your sight. I thank you, Father, for that blood that was shed for me. I thank you, Father, for the body your son broke for me. I thank you, Father, for the life your son gave for me. And I fully give my own life back to you today. Holy Spirit, come now and fill me with your grace. Holy Spirit, come now, fill me with your grace. Come, Holy Spirit, and your love that I may listen and follow you. Come, Holy Spirit. Today, Father, I give thanks for this cup for this bread remembrance of what Christ has done just pass the bread and the juice around thanks Abby Matthew 26 as they were eating Jesus took some bread and blessed it then he broke it in pieces and gave it to his disciples saying take this and eat it for this is my body And he took the cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. He gave it to them and said, Each of you drink from it. For this is my blood which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. As you're receiving the juice and the bread right now, the band is just going to play quietly for a few minutes. I just wanted you to just take the opportunity. You see, communion isn't so much about remembering what Christ had done. It's about recalibrating ourselves before the cross. The reason said Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me whenever you gather. He knew that we needed to take time on a regular basis to resurrect things that have died, to recalibrate and retune parts of our heart and our attitude towards Him. He knew there needed to be a mechanism that would create a maintenance scheme for our relationship with Him. So take your time. And during the worship, there's an opportunity for you to come forward to the altar and If you've got something to lay down, you lay it down. If you've got something you need prayer for, we'll pray for you. If you've got something that you you just need to give up or step into, whatever your situation is, you can come forward during the worship and we'll support you in prayer. When you've had your moment with the Lord over the next few minutes, you're welcome to take the bread and the juice when you feel ready. And then we'll go into worship.